test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. This is a test. This is a test from the heavenly broadcast system. Doesn't this world seem like we're just under attack and doing testing from above? Doesn't COVID seem like a test? How are we reacting? Our country, our cities, and our states, isn't it a test? The world is a wreck. And I'm really asking God, is, are we supposed to be reacting as Christians differently? So how are you doing on this test? If it's a test, you got to ask yourself and really be honest, how are you doing? Almost a year ago to this day, maybe in October we got to this verse, but a year ago we started with 1 Peter and we walked through it trying to figure out how to live our life as we were heading into this election season. But I remember about October in the beginning where we got to 1 Peter 3, 9, and here's what it says. And this is a test. It says, do not pay uh, repay evil with evil or insult with insult. You remember this? How are we doing with that? On, on contrary, repay evil with blessing because this is your call so that we can ma may inherit the blessing. You are to repay evil with good and in that you'll receive a blessing from above. When we do good against evil, we are truly being Christians. That's what Christ wants us to be. And so this is a test. And it's not just COVID and it's not just our, 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 our country and our state. It's the world. And yes, it's a test and we're electing this week and we need to figure out how are we going to react to this test. Whoever wins, whoever loses, we are still going to have to pray for that leader and pray for our state and pray for our country. So this is a test. How are you doing? You know, as I've been thinking about this test and thinking about all week about bringing another message to you about 1 John, I keep asking God, why am I here leading a church or in part of leadership of a church at this time? And I know this, God continues to remind me that, Jeff, I've called you into ministry. I've called you to be a pastor. And for whatever reason, it's for a time like this. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that I am here to help unify the church, heal the church, and grow the kingdom of God so that the church is truly the light of the world. And I know why. It's because I love the church. I mean, I have so much passion for the church. And even better, because the church is people, I have passion for people, even people that are hard to like and love. God has given me this really weird, unique, internal mindset about loving the church and the people that come to the church. And I know they're one and the same, but sometimes we act differently. And I know that's why I'm here. So as we go through today, just realize this is a test. And I believe God has called me specifically for a time like this. And I'm asking you, will you join me as we unify the church and as we heal the church and as we grow closer to God? We're doing this sermon series Dustin was talking about in the announcements, real faith and real relationships, real faith and real relationships. And today we're going to really hammer down this mindset of having real faith. Today as we open up 1 John and go to chapter 1 and read the second part of it, there's really two parts to this sermon. Most of it's going to be on this idea of living in the light. And then the second part is living in 
confession. Nobody really wants to get to that confession part, but in the last seven or eight minutes, we're going to hit that and try and get us to a place of living in confession. So as you study your Bible and as you open it up, look at 1 John as a test. And, and as, as John writing to the churches saying, are you doing this? And are you doing that? And are you living in real faith? And are you living in real fellowship and relationship with God and other people? John is a test and he's challenging us to see where our faith is and where our real relationships with others are. And it seems so appropriate as we go through a time like this in this fall 2021 season. So last week, if you were with us, this would be kind of the test. Have you received the word of life? It said the word of life was revealed. Have you received it? Has it been revealed to you? Have you received that revelation? And if you have, do you have fellowship that's equating to full joy? Last week I've ended with, if you don't have joy of the Lord, then maybe you don't have real fellowship with Christ and maybe we need to get our joy back. Maybe we need to work on the joy of the Lord so that that becomes the most important part of our life. John is writing to the churches and he's trying to preach against falsehoods, false teaching, false doctrine, things that are going on in the church. He's going against this concept of Gnosticism. And basically, here's what they were saying is, what they're saying at church is good, but come with me and I have another secret way, a different way, and I'm going to connect it to the gospel so that you can see that I know more. And so there's this idea that there was this secret knowledge or there was more to go after. And that's just not true. Today, we have that in our own life. People are connecting Bible verses to their plight or their platform or their opinions. And really, God's not trying to connect to your opinion. God's trying to connect you with his word to his heart and to his character. And hopefully we get that today. So open up your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to go right into the middle. It's verse 5. I'm going to read the first sentence and then let's just pray and ask God to speak through this message. This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. I think that's an appropriate place just to pray. So wherever you're at right now, will you just bow your head and will you just open up your heart and will you ask the Lord to, to, to speak to you? Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask that these words from 1 John will go out through the internet and into people's hearts and souls. Holy Spirit, captivate us. Guide us as we go on this journey through your word today. Use these words to glorify your kingdom, to grow the kingdom, and to bring people into a place of wholeness, real faith with you, Lord. And let there be great joy at the end of this sermon today because we are in real faith and we are building a real relationship with you. So Father, do a work in us. Use these words to change the world. We love you, Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. So John starts in the second half of this text. He says, this is the message that we've heard from Jesus. He's re reiterating something that he has gotten directly from Jesus. And here's what he says. He says, this message is now declared to you that God is light. That is the opposite of darkness, that God is light. And 
in him there is no darkness. That's the idea. And so here's the message that you need to pull from this text. If you're just doing a Bible study and you're walking through this, you need to realize that God is light. That needs to be highlighted and circled. And then you would look to your concordance and say, well, what verses magnify that idea that God is light? Do you realize that Jesus came as our context to God, that he came to magnify God, to show us that God is light? And in him there is no darkness, that God is good, that God is righteous, and that the world brings darkness. And the only thing that can contrast that is the light of the world, and that is God. And here you need to understand what God, what God has shown John, John has made known to us. So that's something we talked about last week, how John really had this interpersonal relationship after the resurrection with Jesus. And now he's making this known that not only is God his light, but we're going to see in, in, in a few minutes that Jesus is light as well. Here is what he is making known to me and you. This is the message that Jesus is Lord. That's really the gospel for all of us. The other day we were doing something with some high school students and we asked what the gospel is. And not everybody realizes that the gospel is very simple. It's Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross for you and me and he rose again so that we may have life everlasting. His death makes us right with God and his resurrection allows us to live with God. And that's the good news. That's the gospel message and everything else builds to that point in our life. Jesus came to show us that God is light, that he is moral, that he is pure, that he is perfect, that he is our direction. You know, the, the verse that says he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is all that is right in this world. And he did this through a visible image of himself. And that image is Jesus Christ. Now, before we talk about Jesus being the light, let's realize this. Let's talk about darkness. Darkness and light are, are, are this huge contrast, but light is not hard to find in darkness. If you've ever been stumbling in the light or in the darkness, a little bit of light magnifies and all of a sudden you can see as your eyes adjust the light and a little bit of light really contrasts well against darkness. The problem in this world today and the problem with the gospel and the word is man, meaning you and me, women, children, and, and men, we all make it difficult. We make God so confusing and so distant and we believe that we have to study one way or read this way and we make things so hard. But the truth is, if we boil it down to light versus darkness, light is easy to find in a dark area. It's easy to see. John says God is light and Jesus in the gospel of John says in his red letters that he is light. Let's turn to uh, John 8, 12 in your Bible. If you just turn it back to the gospel, here's what Jesus says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and says, I am the light of the world. After he has discipled and hung out with them and showed them all these wonderful things, he's telling them that, that I'm with God and I'm one with God and I am God. And if you know me, you know the Father. So he says, I am the light of the world. And then if we go to the next place, we talk about this slide and you can do some real good Bible study. It says, if that should be underlined and circled, the big if is, are you doing anything? If you follow me and, and you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads you to life. So if we do a little bit of kind of dissecting, if 
That means you got to do something here. If you're doing something which is following him, if you're really putting God first and you're following Jesus Christ, then you won't have to walk in darkness. I mean, it seems pretty self-explanatory, but we make that so difficult. We make that so hard because we were like, well, what is darkness? Well, we know what light is. God is light. Jesus is light. Darkness is everything apart from them because that light, that light in God, that light in Jesus, and that light that's speaking to us today, which is the Holy Spirit, leads us to that real life. We are talking about real faith today. As this sermon series is talking about relationships and faith, we are trying to dig in and see where is your real faith today. If you have real relationship with God, you have the light of the world. And then it says, then we are the light. You know that little song that says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. If I have the light, then I have real faith. And then that light continues to drive out everything dark within me. And only that can only be done by God. So if there is darkness in your soul, if there's darkness in your life, you magnify the light and you take it like a flashlight and you try and get rid of all the darkness in your life. So at the beginning, we had this emergency broadcast and that annoying sound that scares everybody. But the question or the test is, are you walking in the light? Really trying to contrast that right now and ask you the question, are you walking in the light? Are you in real authentic faith with Jesus Christ? Do you know God? If you ask that question, do you know God? Do you know him? The, the, the question has to be proven by the evidence of your obedience to him. If you're kind of wishy-washy on your obedience, maybe you don't know him or don't care enough to know him to be fully obedient. Do you truly love him? Do you truly love God and love your neighbor? Love your enemy as you're to love yourself? I mean, that's the idea here is if you know God, you're obedient to him. And then Jesus came in and says, you have heard it said that love your neighbor, but I'm telling you to love your enemy. And as we are outside electing Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we still need to love people on the other side of the aisle so that they can become part of the kingdom of God, so that they can know how good God is, regardless of who they vote for. And maybe in time, God will do a work in our whole political system so that Christians are running it and no longer other people that don't believe in God. So our job is to love our enemy and our neighbor. You can prove this by the evidence of your sacrifice. We've lost that. Since COVID has started, we've lost the evidence of sacrifice, the mercy and the grace that God has given. All of a sudden, the last year or two, it's like, where did mercy and grace go? It's not part of the church. We've driven these hard lines, and I think we've kind of got to get back to the heart of Jesus. We don't earn forgiveness of God. We receive forgiveness. We don't earn it by good deeds. We receive it by the grace and mercy of God. And that forgiveness, it transforms us. It transformed me. I remember having that forgiveness from my mom and other people, and it really transformed me. And that's what transformation looks like. Receiving something you don't deserve and letting that forgiveness and that mercy become part of who you are and let that transformation then have room to grow within your heart and soul. So today in this text, as we look through it, there's going to be two places of contrast, light versus dark. We're going to hear a lot of that, but there's, this, oh, there's all this mindset. There's also this mindset of saying and doing. So those are the two things. So here's what verse says, verse six says, if we are, so if we are lying, if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we are not 
practicing the truth. I was talking to a couple the other night and I was talking about you can practice law, you can practice medicine as we as Christians practice our faith. It's trial and error going, this is working, this isn't working, but we're trying to practice living in the truth and stopping and walking away from the, the darkness. And here John tells us, he says, you are lying if you say you have fellowship with God, but you know, Friday, Saturday and early Sunday morning, you've been on a bender doing something a, a, apart from God and then coming to church thinking that you're right with God. He says, you're lying if, if, if you say you're living in spiritual light, but you're actually living in darkness and not practicing what God wants for you. This is called tension or contention in the Bible. It's like you can't go six days a week kind of being apart from God and doing whatever you want and show up on Sunday and feel like that traditional walk into church is going to make you whole and right. That's not really practicing the truth. In this text, it says, if we say or he saith, it's talking about saying and doing, not saying verse doing. Today, the Christianity is a lot about saying one thing and doing something completely different. Are you walking the walk? Are you talking one way and walking another way? It feels like we're divided or feels like we're kind of two-faced or those hypocrites that, that all of us are in this world, but Christians should be closer to God and less hypocritical. Do you realize that the Christian walk of life or the Christian life is also called a walk, which is steps taking towards the light of God, that God is light. And we take steps out of that darkness and into that real light so that we can have genuine faith, real faith that walks us out of the things of old and into new things. And if you're in a place where life doesn't make sense and your faith is kind of wishy-washy, take a few steps closer to the light and watch that darkness run from that light. It's wonderful when that happens. Real faith means this, that we trust in God no matter what, that we love God no matter what, and that we live for God no matter what. And this is the beginning of salvation. When you are trusting God no matter what, loving God no matter what, and living for God no matter what, this is really the beginning of salvation. And it's something that we work through as our salvation is growing until we go to the other side and meet our Savior in heaven and we become new bodies, spiritual bodies. I love this little image. I got a couple of really great friends, Jeremy and Dustin, that are on staff, and they got kids, and they're teaching their kids how to walk, and Ed has just recently started to walk, and, and uh, Dustin's daughter's soon gonna walk, and, and the idea here is about teaching our child to walk, is they have to stand up and fall down, and then as they start taking a few steps, they need to overcome obstacles. We all had to do it at one point. Our, our parents or someone was training us to walk and overcome obstacles and get us back to stability, and that's the same thing that Christians need to do. As we are on this walk, living this life for Christ, we need to walk and stabilize and get our bearings back and make sure that the obstacles aren't big enough to go around. And we do that by walking to the light and living in that place of real faith. You know what I've heard? 
since the beginning of COVID in March 2020. And I love this verse. Actually, this is one of my favorite verses. It's kind of got me a little bitter. Let me just confess. The way it's being used today kind of annoys the crap out of me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. But I love this, this quote. It says, faith over fear. And I'm hearing it all the time. Faith over here, brother and sister. I hear it all the time. But here's the thing. It's just not over COVID. And it's just not over masks. It's actually over everything as a Christian walks in their life. It's faith over fear of the election. Faith over fear of the government, faith over fear over the world and what's going on. It's faith over fear. Whatever's driving you to fear, I've got to have faith that's bigger than that. So I love this, but I feel like it's being misused and pointed in one direction. And I'm saying, no, it's for all things. It's faith over whatever I have fear. And there is a lot of fear in this world, even in, and I was going to say, even in my own life, like I'm some supernatural being. The truth is, It's just a place of standing above with God there and all of our fears and all of this world and all of this government and COVID underneath it saying, I'm not going to let this test destroy me, this trial, this tribulation destroy me. I'm going to stand on the faith and who uh, my faith in God. If we are living dark throughout the week and we come into a a place of spirituality, it's going to seem awkward and weird and the Holy Spirit is going to convict and it's not going to feel comfortable and truthfully, you're not going to be in a place of fellowship. If you're coming to church living dark all week and you come to church and you feel like the fellowship is awkward, it's because you're not in real fellowship. You're living in sin more than you're ever living to life and Christ and God and the Holy Spirit can't be in sin. It's got to be away from that. And so our job is to get more light, walk five or six days a week closer to light and one or two days less. And hopefully down the road, you have no days in darkness. And and even though we're not perfect in sin, you have every day full of the light of God. Let me give you an idea of what sin is. Sin where, sin is not just these outward disobedience. It's easy to call out someone's sin. Oh, look at that idiot. They're, they're, they're doing this. They're drunk. They're doing that. And you can see the outward sin. Really, sin is also the inner rebellion or that inner desire that's driving you. That envy, that greed, that pride, that inner turmoil. As Christians, as we get more righteous with God, as we get closer to God, we become Pharisees or, you know, this this mindset of self-righteousness where we forget that these inner sins are the most important ones. What's going on in the inside? I need to purge out so that I can be right with God. In a couple weeks, we're going to get to 1 John 3, 4, and here's what it says. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law. All of us that are sinning, we're going against God and His Word. God gave us a ton of words, and when we're sinning and we, we know the truth, it says that we're actually, we know what's right and we do what's wrong, that's a sin. And here in 1 John, we're going to cover that in a couple weeks. Refusing to submit to God's law is living a lawless life. And Christians have laws, meaning we have words and we have a, a direction and we have a, a template and a framework to live our, la- our, our life and our walk to God that is truly real. Darkness and a dark walk with Christianity isn't real. It's counterfeit. It's fake. It's deceiving. It's just darkness. We've got to purge that darkness and draw closer to the light. 
Now, the Bible, one of the beautiful things about the Bible, if you're new to faith and you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible doesn't whitewash sin, meaning it doesn't push sin down and act like it's not a big deal. Some of the legends of faith, I think in Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of faith. Some of the most faithful people, there's this list of all these faithful people. All of them have had huge sin and the Bible calls them out. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible. Even the greatest in the Bible are shown to be sinners. Abraham was a liar. And, you know, he had a little side action to have a kid unlike what the way God wanted to. David was a killer. He decided the woman was too hot and he wanted her. And so he he slept with her and then he had to kill her husband. Solomon married everyone and their sister. He just thought that was the most important thing. And all the other righteous people in the Bible they had sin and they had struggle and they had thorns in their side that was, that was keeping them kind of dark sometimes and had to work through that darkness to cling to the light. And I don't know if you've ever met a new Christian that's kind of right with God and reading. They're kind of frustrated. It's like, no, I'm, a, I'm saved by grace. I'm, I, I'm saved in Christ. I'm born again. And they feel like I should never sin again. That I, I'll never drink another beer or I'll never watch another uh, piece of porn. And the truth is, you know, even though we are new creations in Christ, we have this old nature that wants to jump back into our life. And our job is to push down and get rid of that old nature. We call that darkness and cling to this new nature. They're two living in the same body and we've got to kick the snot out of one so that the, the one that's closer to God rises up. An angry church member comes to the pastor and this church member comes to the pastor and says, you keep preaching about the saints sin, the, the, the great saints in the Bible and the sin that they have in their life. Believer sin and non-believer sin is completely different. And as this church member is talking to the pastor, the pastor is agreeing and shaking his head. He says, you're right. The wor- it's worse to be saved in Christ and stuck in sin. This guy didn't realize the pastor was saying, yeah, believers should be sinning less. Saints need to talk about their sins so that we can be right with God and not stuck in our sin. There's a level of freedom that we get to experience and it's by confessing and living in the light. And we'll get into that confession in a few minutes. So at this point, you've seen we've talked a lot about the light. And I want to give you some context. Last week, we talked about the concordance. If you look up God is light in verse 5, here's some verses. And two of them, I would challenge you to reread this week and see. This would be a great Bible study for someone to dig into. But here's what you need to know about light. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, We are chosen. We are called out of darkness and into this marvelous light. It reminds me of a song we were singing about 10 years ago. Thessalonians chapter 5 verse or 1 first Thessalonians 5 5 it says we are children of the light and we don't belong to darkness this is all verses connecting to has Jesus is light and that God is light in chapter 5 uh, verse 5 and then John this is the one you should read these three verses John 19 uh, 3 19 20 and 21 in essence and I'm just going to clarify there's so much more here but this is what you need to know those who do wrong hate the light because it shows their sin You ever seen someone's like, hey, you ready to come back to church? Nah, I don't want to go. I'm not ready yet. I'm not there yet. It's because they don't want to see the light because it doesn't want to show where they're really at. 
You see people come to church and sometimes people get convicted and kind of are ready to walk out of church or do walk out of church because they don't want to be close to the light. And Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes from 18 to 13, you got to read these last two. Light shines on us and shows us our true nature. And that just reminds me of this COVID test. This is a test and God is trying to see what is your true nature? Where is your real faith with God? Are you living in the light? Or are you living in darkness? Are you, are you really allowing the light to shine where your envy and your greed and your pride is? The light shines to show us our true nature. And I'll be honest, it hasn't been good for me. And so I'm curious where you stand in your true nature. The truth is, the apostle, uh, the, the, the apostle John is challenging us to practice, to walk the walk and live so that we might be in fellowship. And we're going to see this next verse connects to a verse that we talked about last week. Here's what it says in verse 7. But if, here we go, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Do you want to be cleansed? Do you want to be clean? It reminds me, I don't know, like four or five weeks ago, Jeremy asked, do you want to be healed? And I had a bunch of people talking about it. It's like, man, that was so impactful. The question now becomes, not only do you want to be healed, but do you want to be cleansed? Do you want to be in the light? Do you want to be a better person? Do you want to be different? Do you want it? Then you got to give it to Jesus because it says only by the blood of Jesus, his son, that it can cleanse us and make us close so that we can be in the light. So if we're doing a little bit of a Bible study here, it says, but if we, the, the word if needs to be circled. If we live, if we walk, if we practice to be like Christ, we are going to have fellowship and we are going to be joyful. If we don't, we're going to get everything else. We're going to be distant from God. We're going to be walking away from God. We're going to be practicing sin and we're going to be living in darkness and we're really not going to be happy or joyful at all. And the truth is the fellowship that we have isn't going to be fellowship in Christ. It's just going to be friendship apart from God. That's not a good place. Let's talk about fellowship. At our church, we've been really focusing on community groups. It's the lifeblood. I heard Jeremy say it last week. I'm like, a couple weeks ago, he's like, this is the lifeblood. This is the blood that flows through us. We need to be in community. We need to be in fellowship. And last week, we talked about this Greek word, kononia. It's a, it, it, it means common. And I love that. Fellowship is living our everyday common life with Christ and with other people. Living the small things, going to the grocery store, having simple conversations about kids and life and electric bills and air condition problems and whatever's going on my car truthfully right now my trunk's not closing and so I got car issues it's living everyday life and doing it for the glory of God but I want to talk about this we we as Christians say it's like oh I'm going to uh, go to this Bible study or I'm going to go to church to have felt gets in get into some fellowship it's kind of a little bit different we have fellowship in Christ because we are in Christ. There's a lot of these words that talk about in Christ. When we are in Christ, because of that blood that washes us and makes us clean, that gets us right with God and we have fellowship. And because I'm in Christ, then I can have true fellowship with other believers. Does that make sense? It's not like I can just go and jump into fellowship. I have fellowship because I'm in Christ. And that's the beautiful thing about church. That's what I really enjoy about our church. It's got 
all kinds of different races and uh, walks of life. There's a couple people that have come from different religions, different economic status, and we're all different. We might even vote differently and that might drive people crazy. But the beautiful thing is if we claim Jesus, we are all in Christ and then we are commanded and should be in fellowship regardless of all the external things. And that's the beauty of church. We all don't have to be the same minded. We want to be more like God, but we don't have to agree on everything outside of God. It's kind of scary. Here again, we're talking about living in the light. The light, if you look at all the things in this world, we live in a, a, a community, this Pleasant Valley, that grows a lot. Light brings life and produces growth. And in that, there's a lot of beauty. Some of the most scenic views in our area are some of the amazing farms that we see. I get to play golf at this golf course and you see the crops and it's just life and growth and beauty and it's something amazing. But here's what darkness produces. It produces depth, death, and it produces separation from God and from other people. And if we go on this earth and don't claim Jesus, we are separated from God forever. So it says if we walk in the true light, we walk in Christ and we walk with God. And then darkness must flee. It's like Jesus comes in with this huge spotlight and looks for every part of the sin and darkness in our life and wants it to flee. But if we hold on to sin, if we hold on to struggles, then the light flees from us and all of a sudden we're full of darkness. Have you ever kind of taken a break from church? I, 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 honestly, I, I haven't. But I know people are like, yeah, I'm not going for a couple of weeks or months. You know what happens? They get out of fellowship. They get out of the light. They quit reading the Bible. And all of a sudden, darkness just starts to overwhelm them. And within six months, they're completely different and they're not into Christ. Because darkness can grow faster than ever. This world is full of darkness. And our job is to release the sin and get close to God. There is no middle ground here. And I think that's what John's going to communicate. There's no gray area. God is not vague. Man, very vague. God, very clear. And in this text, it speaks for itself. Here's what verse 8 says. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and, living, and not living in the truth. You're a fool. You're fooling yourself if you claim to not have sin. Here again... John is preaching to the, to the Gnostics. He's preaching to the false teachers because they're saying some weird things. And he's trying to kind of separate lies versus truth. Let me, let me tell you this. Taking a breath. If you're breathing, you're a sinner. Truth is, that's it. If you've got breath, Right now, you're sinning. So we're all sinning. That's what John is saying. But it's different. Believers should have less sin and we should be challenging our sin and bringing light into our sin. When we're covering up our sin by telling lies, we're basically fooling ourselves and deceiving ourselves even when we're trying to deceive others. A lot of times we go to church and we try and talk to people. And, you know, our church is pretty authentic. We're trying to get to the truth. But you, you see people want to cover up sin because they want to be in good light with other people, good standing. They want to save face and they want to hide from the truth. That's not fellowship. I was going to say that's something else, but we are only fooling ourselves. When we are deceiving others, we are truly deceiving ourselves and we're really deceiving God. Do you think God doesn't know your sin? 
Do you, do, you know, do you think he doesn't know what you did last night or what you did last summer like that movie talks about? He knows everything, but what a good father does is he wants you to come and tell him because that character of telling someone uh, about your sin is really something that brings you into a place of wholeness. We got to quit deceiving ourselves by deceiving others and really being in a, in a funky place with God. There's this wonderful story about David and Bathsheba, and it's wonderful not because it's easy, but it's wonderful because the Bible doesn't whitewash sin. The story goes, David uh, uh, sleeps with a woman, Bathsheba. He has to kill her husband because he's too embarrassed to tell her that he slept with him. She's pregnant. They live together while they're pregnant after she's done grieving. And then finally she has this kid. This whole time, David is holding on to the sin that he killed her husband because of a sexual act that he shouldn't have done. And he's destroying himself. If you've ever sat on sin and that guilt and shame is eating you alive, this guy is struggling. His life is miserable. He thinks nobody knows, but everybody knows this new woman that he's marrying is pregnant with child and her husband's dead. Everybody that's not stupid has probably figured out the truth, but David thinks he's deceiving people. And finally, a friend, Nathan, comes and tells him and confronts him. And he says, David, you're a horrible man, so to speak. And that's just me paraphrasing. But that creates this place of freedom that David has. And you can read that in Psalm 51. Turn to it today and read it. It says, create in me a pure heart. And this moment when David gets confronted with his sin and what he's been deceiving, there's this wholeness, there's this freedom, there's this pure, real faith. And and, and the weight of the world is off his shoulders. And now he can live the life that he wants to live. But there's consequences. But he's still free. His child dies. But then he has the opportunity to live a life in freedom without uh, shame and condemnation. Real faith, pure faith. So again, this is a test. This is the heavenly broadcast system. Are you walking in the light? Now, as we kind of tend to hear sermons like this, and when we go through valuable scripture, this is some of the most valuable scripture that we have. I love 1 John. I love 1 Peter, two of my favorite books. If, if I'm in a funk, I go to them. But when we hear a message on this type of scripture, what we tend to say in church is, oh, I wish Joe would hear this, or Judy would hear this. I wish they were here. They would really get out a lot out of a sermon like this. And the truth is, we need to look within ourselves and tend, instead of being fruit inspectors to others, we need to be introspective about our own fruit. Don't think about someone else. Think about yourself. Christ is trying to pull us into a place of truly understanding where I am at. If this is a test, it's between me and God. It's between you and God. It's not about someone else that needs to hear the message. It's about you. Here's the test. Are you truly walking in a faithful relationship with Christ? Are you truly in fellowship with Christ because you're living in the light and and not living in darkness? And the final one is, am I really in the light? Am I really in the light? I ask myself these questions all the time because I am so afraid that I don't know that if I'm in darkness or not. I have my wife, I talk to my friends, I have a, a, a couple of people I confide in and I'm always asking and I'm looking within. I'm trying to work on myself because I want to be as close to Christ as possible. And I, I, I make mistakes all the time. If I'm really honest and I'm in real faith, you know, I'm constantly working on myself because I'm constantly failing. But Christ is constantly lifting, lifting me up. 
So as I said in the beginning, as we come to the close, there's two parts. The first part of this has been a lot about living in light versus darkness. That's been the contrast. That's the first part. The second part is living in confession. John is trying to fix false teaching, falsehoods, lies within the church. And that one of the things they were talking about sin, and that's why verse 8 is if you claim to have no sin, you're fooling yourself. John was trying to preach because people are like, well, now that I'm in Jesus, whatever I do is perfect because Jesus is perfect. And that's just not true. You're still sinning and you've got to deal with it. And then other people were like, well, I can continue to sin because I have Jesus and his grace and mercy is good every day. So I can do rotten stuff and think that his grace and mercy is always going to save me. And I'm like, that lasts for a little while, but it kind of runs out at some point. I don't think we have... That's not really the concept that Jesus was saying. I think it's really trying to sin less and not, you know, do rotten things and then go, that's all right, God will forgive me. That's the wrong mindset. And so then we come to one of the most famous verses, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, and definitely in this, in this book, 1 John, it says this, 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, that'd be God, Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. This is a tough place for us. It's because most of us don't like to be truthful and tell where we're really at. We don't want to have that come to Jesus moment. Getting real, getting honest, getting, I was going to say getting jiggy with it, but getting to a place of truly trying to get right with God, to a place where I can be faithful and be forgiven and cleansed because there's wickedness within us. Listen to this. No sin is ever too big that our God can't forgive. No sin is too big that our God can't forgive. Uh, at the high school group a couple weeks ago, this one kid said, as I said something to that nature, he said, so a guy like Hitler that killed six million people can be forgiven. And I said, yeah. And his mouth dropped because we gauge sin. But the truth is no sin is too big for God, uh, for God to forgive. That's crazy. A mass murderer can be forgiven. And there's some controversy or some mindsets that the last month or two of Hitler's life that he was having some people speak to him about Jesus. There's this whole movement. The, the year after they found out that he was dead, a lot of people were talking about his faith. It's kind of interesting. You should look it up. But here in this verse, I feel like God is telling me to tell you that you and I need to get honest with God. I got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. And you got to be honest. George Washington, our first president, writes this, and he's, he says this, and I, I, I love a guy that's willing to call himself out, and that's why I put this quote in. It says, I hope I shall possess the firmness and virtue enough to maintain what I consider the most enviable titles, and I do too, the character of an honest man. You know, my goal is to be as forthright and as honest as possible. Now, I'm a human being like anybody else, um, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't tell lies and I don't fib and I don't make mistakes. But I want to be an honest person. I want to be able to hand my phone to someone and they can look through it and there's no, no darkness there. I want to be able to hand my computer. I want people to be able to go into my bedroom and into my closet and there's no darkness there. I want to be honest. And I don't want to feel awkward and uncomfortable. I hope they don't find that or hope they don't see that. And I believe that's the character of men and women that we are supposed to be. Listen, we all have stuff to confess. I know I do. We all have things that haunt us and bring us shame and guilt. 
I can't have my sin find uh, my my spouse find out that sin. I can't have have my kids find out that I'm doing this behind their back. But listen, if you're living like that and you're saying those things, that's blocking you from real faith and real fellowship with God. That's blocking you from really being in that clean play, uh, that clean place that that David was writing in Psalm 51. Read it, check it out. A spouse in darkness can't share true fellowship with a spouse in light. That's hard to deal with. But really, if one's walking in darkness most of the week and the other one's trying to live a a faithful walk, there's distance. There's not going to be this Christian fellowship. There could be companionship. There could be friendship. There could be camaraderie. But it's not the Christian fellowship that we all yearn. And, And our job is to stop hiding and come to the light so there can be great relationship. And that brings me to a point. In October, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, uh, four couples right now are going to this thing called Weekend to Remember, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, it. It has an opportunity to change your marriage. A lot of people said it's like a second honeymoon. One said that I, I walked in with a roommate and I came back with a, a wife. And so there's a lot of things that you, you can do in this, but it's supposed to be really good. I have a couple people that are going. So if you're interested, email me, ask Dustin on the chat line how to get more information. It's called a Weekend to Remember. We're going. There's all kinds but there is a discount going in the next couple of days. So email me or, or ask, ask Dustin and we'll get you the information. I think it's going to be great for marriages. Let's kind of close up this confession and get to the end of the message. I want to jump back into Proverbs and tell you how valuable confession is. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. If I'm concealing my sin, I'm actually not going to be beneficial to my family and to the things that I'm working with and dealing with. But if I confess to them and I turn away from them, It says I will receive mercy. It doesn't mean I'm going to receive a bonus from work. It doesn't mean I'm going to be free from consequences, but I'm going to receive mercy. And that mercy, it's that that mercy that leads me to repentance and growth and into a pleasure place with, with God and into the light. When we talk about confessing, it's not this lovely prayer that you got to write or organize. It's not an excuse or it's not trying to impress God. It's true confession is about calling out sin, naming it, calling it out by name, lust and envy and greed and gluttony and, you know, pride and you know, pornography and addiction and drug, uh, you know, drinking and drugs and you know, flirting and whatever you're struggling with, it's call it out by name. That's what confession is. Some of the translations talking about getting right with God, letting it go and giving it to God and really just giving God honesty and, and being in an honest relationship with God. And I just want to share a quick story. Because, you know, I was challenged to kind of tell a personal story. And the one that freed me like David had when he had that interaction uh, that got him to a place of clean heart. There's so much around this story and maybe you've heard it before. But when my mom met me in jail, we hadn't seen each other in over a year. And our last encounter, she was afraid of me, of who I'd become. When she came to jail and we cried for the first few minutes in this 30 minute Um, meeting and then she asked me this one question like I asked you today about this test she's like what happened and all of a sudden something took over me 
And I just got honest with my mom and I started confessing that I was a drug addict, that I'd been dealing drugs, that I was a horrible husband, that I wasn't, you know, uh, doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I really just started to expose like six humongous things of darkness in my life. But I'll be honest with you, the, the, the meeting only lasted 30 minutes, so I didn't get into a ton of detail, but I just came to it raw, ugly truth. And I know it didn't make my mom happy, but I know that my mom found joy in that because I know that God did something special in that moment. And I know that he can do that with you today. If you come to church today, I know you're watching online, but if you come to church today, we're going to have a line of people in, in the church so that you can confess. If you need to do it with me, if you feel comfortable with doing it with a pastor, reach out to myself or Jeremy or, or Dustin or Kim and have a conversation with us and we'll hold it dear and close to our heart. But you've got to get right with God. Name it, call out your sin and watch the freedom that it will bring within. Let's close with this last verse. It says, if we claim, uh, if we claim not to uh, have, if, sorry, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and God is not a liar. God is good. He's everything that's right in this world. He's everything that's beautiful in this world. He's everything that's good in this world. But the most important part of this verse as we close, I want to show you this. If you're not right with God and you're living in darkness and you're thinking God is a liar and God's not good and he's evil, you're basically saying that you have no place for him in your heart, no place for the word in your heart, and you're living a dishonest life. And if you're Christian, Man, it's a dark place to be. When God's words aren't soothing, when the, the word of Christ isn't part of your life and isn't really flowing in your soul and in your blood, man, you, you're in a desperate place. And the only thing that you can do is call out that darkness. When we ain't right, we ain't right with God. When we're looking, when we're on the outside looking into a relationship with God, we're at a distance. When the word has no place for my heart, when a sermon has no place in my heart, when fellowship is fake and it's not wanted, when church is useless and it's not part of your purview and part of your life, you need help. And I'm going to pray right now because I was there and I confessed and asked, Lord, help me. Will you do that with me today? This is a test. This is a test to live in the light and to live in confession ultimately so that you can have the joy of the Lord and that you can move beyond whatever darkness is in your life and start living in the glory that God has for you. I'm so grateful that you're here. And if you're confessing right now, if you need someone, put your, put, put your email or go into a private message and, and email us and let us know and we will reach out to you because we don't want you to live like that anymore. Will you just bow your head? And let's just pray that the Spirit of God will move right now. Father, we love you. And we pray right now that the Spirit of God is bringing people to a confessing, to heal marriages, to fix relationships with kids, to, to change the dynamic in a family structure, to take that addict and bring them to a place of truth and freedom from addiction to take that, pro that person that's struggling with stealing and, and give them the opportunity to live with what God has given. Lord, I pray for your powerful Holy Spirit to move right now and bring people out of darkness and into light. And if there's someone out here, and I know there is, 
that is distant and dark and they've just tuned in, God is calling you into the light. And all you have to do to receive that light is to claim Jesus as Lord through a simple prayer, speaking it with your mouth and letting it come from your heart. If that's you, just, just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Get rid of all this darkness and take me to the light. I know you are the light of this world. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. I accept that you died upon the cross and I accept that you resurrected so that I may have eternal life. And right now I just ask that the Holy Spirit overtakes my life, my body and my soul and teaches me to become a disciple of Jesus now until I meet Jesus in heaven. We love you and we praise you and you th we thank you for what you're doing today, God. We all say amen, amen, and amen. Hey, I'm so grateful that you're here. Hey, if you get a chance and you've been online for a while, come back to church every once in a while. We'd love to see your smiling face. Today's Loving the World. Share this message. If you can't get to church, share this message by loving the world on your feed and watch people watch the message and see how it transforms and changes people's lives. We're so grateful that you're here. Put in a prayer request if you need one. God bless you, God loves you, and God is always with you. Have a great day.